I think it's important to get the international community to agree on basic rules and norms of behavior. I think that's important. The hard part is it takes so long and there's so much discussion that what's happening right now in space is happening very, very fast. Hey, Space Watchers. This is my guest today, Jim Bridenstine, talking about models to get global norms established. And this is Space Cafe Radio on tour in Lausanne, your channel about trends, great people and awesome conferences. I'm Thorsten, publisher of Spacewatch.global. Beginning of May, I had the chance to attend the Leo Kinetic Space Safety Workshop at the EPFL, perfectly organized by XIXL, Leo Labs, ClearSpace, Secure World Foundation and the EPFL eSpace Center. During the event, I interviewed Jim Bridenstine, former NASA administrator and US congressman, and now senior advisor at Acorn Growth Companies after his very inspiring keynote. Enjoy our conversation. Jim, it's a pleasure to have you here in this interview for Space Cafe Radio. How do you inspire policymakers about space security? So I think policymakers in general understand that space is dangerous now. There's been a lot of pop culture kind of activities. The movie Gravity is one of those movies that kind of got people's attention as it relates to space debris and the ability to manage a lot of different types of space capabilities. But really what you have to do is you have to divide it up into really three categories. One is space safety and what are we doing right now to protect space assets? Two is space security What are we doing to make sure that countries have access to space and the ability to utilize space? And then three is space sustainability, which is more than just space safety. It's what are we doing right now to make sure that space is available five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now? So those are the kind of the three categories that have to be dealt with. And policymakers need to understand that each of them is different and that ultimately each have different requirements. When we think about space safety, we've got to make sure that we have the right regulatory framework so that we're not putting too much stuff into one orbital shell that will result in collisions. That's immediate. That's space safety. When it comes to space sustainability, what are we doing to create the technologies necessary so that we can have more stuff in space in the future to benefit from all of the next generation capabilities that are going to be delivered from space? It's interesting that you say that earlier we heard as well that with upcoming technologies, we are able to get more stuff in the same orbital shells. Yes. So that is also, I think, a function of more capabilities, capacities for the use on Earth in a commercial aspect, usually. So how can this kind of capitalism that is behind it or commercialization work with sustainability or is it contradictory? I don't think it's contradictory at all. I think it is in the interest of a lot of space companies to be able to put their activities in space. That means that they're going to have to figure out how to safely put their capability in space. I also think it's important to recognize that just because technology allows us to pack more stuff into any single orbital shell doesn't necessarily mean that's a good idea. Because what happens is if there is a collision, 
that could set off a Kessler syndrome. If you pack too much stuff into any orbital shell and then you have a collision, basically all of that stuff is fuel for a massive chain reaction. So we have to be really careful. Just because we can pack more stuff into an orbital shell doesn't mean it's necessarily the right thing to do. But I do think that technology will allow us to have more stuff in any orbital shell. Sounds like the German highways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you can drive as fast as you want, but is it really sustainable and yeah. safe to do so? Right. No, it's, it's a good analogy. Besides the workshop here, what are the biggest problems or threats in space that we are facing today, in your opinion? There's a lot. Space has become very contested. We think about you know, Russia launching an anti-satellite missile and shooting down one of its own satellites. India has done the same thing. China has done the same thing. These are events that result in large populations of orbital debris, and they're not good for long-term sustainability of space. We think about threats that include co-orbital anti-satellite capabilities. Again, not good for the long-term sustainability of space. We think about just the, the other technology like jamming or spoofing or dazzling, which is using laser energy to confuse a satellite. These are all threats that now we have to think about that we didn't used to have to think about because space is now very contested. So th those are big challenges that we need to think about. And I think there should be a ban on anti-satellite testing. U.S. is moving forward. I mean, you would think yeah. you would think it would be really obvious that creating large debris fields in space is a bad idea, but it hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped people. I think that makes a lot of sense. But apart from just the threats, you also have the congestion with more constellations going into specific orbital shells. You have competitiveness. We've got countries that are competitive with each other, and we've got companies that are competitive with each other all vying for the same valuable real estate in space. So these are all things that need to be worked out. What is your advice? How to deal with that, especially the later ones, the first are very military or geopolitical focused threats. I mean, yeah, we need other solutions on the commercial side, on the coordination side. Can one of the advice to create another UN-like organization or coordination, is that wise or are, yeah. there, are, are there models? I think it's important to get the international community to agree on basic rules and norms of behavior. I think that's important. The hard part is it takes so long and there's so much discussion that what's happening right now in space is happening very, very fast. And having an international forum that where 10 years from now, we have a solution that isn't adequate Uh, that that's not the right approach. In my view, what needs to happen is we need countries like the United States and our allies around the world. We need countries to step up and lead. And if we lead, get the other countries to follow suit, and then we convene the international bodies to basically double down on what we've already done in leading the way. The example I give is ICAO, which is the International Civil Aviation Organization. It's how We fly in the airspace around the world. ICAO was modeled after the Federal Aviation Administration in the United States, the FAA. So the United States creates the FAA. Then the world sees that and says, that's the model that we need to apply. 
And then standards get established so that wherever you fly in the world, the rules are the same. The approach plates are the same. The Everything is the same. So if I fly in Germany or if I fly in the United States, I know how to fly because it's all the same. Those are the standards that need to be created in space. And it, it starts when key lead nations take the lead and then get the others to follow. Taking this model you just mentioned, are STM or even Artemis Accords, are those models to move forward? Yes. Even internationally? A absolutely. I, I would say what needs to happen initially is we need to have the right regulatory environment. We need to recognize that there is a limitation to how much stuff you can put into any orbital shell. And then we need countries to recognize that a lot of countries that are spacefaring countries need to have access to those orbital shells. That can be an agreement between countries. It doesn't have to be an international forum, but we can have an agreement between countries that, hey, uh, this is how we're going to allocate this scarce resource that is an orbital shell, and then apply that you know, broader to the next orbital shell and, and grow it from there. But it needs to start with a few countries that are willing to lead to start taking that, making that effort. One of the examples that was given quite often is the Outer Space Treaty. Yes. In the highs of the Cold War, US and, and Russia sit together, or the Soviet Union sit together, came up with the agreement, which is still ruling our activities in space. So more and more joined, those, but not all. But now the, the calls are, do we really need to hear everyone for moving forward? If it's a UN-based organization, then we need a consensus. Is that even possible today anymore? Or are we using those that have assets in space that are active players and that's setting the rules and the others can follow? Yes. It's hard and it's not diplomatic-wise, I think. Yeah. Uh, but What's happening in space right now is happening very fast. And convening all of the nations of the world together in order to come up with international agreements, it will take years. In the meantime... It's time we don't have. It's time we don't have. So I do think we need international agreements, but we're going to need a couple of like-minded nations to take the lead on how we can build consensus. It starts with a small group and it grows from there. I don't think what we need to do is try to get consensus from 180 countries. <laughs> It'll take way too long. One question on, on that note, space diplomacy is very important. And in your former position in, in NASA, you conducted that, you talked with everyone and invited them. We see the war in Ukraine, an end of space diplomacy, especially when it comes to Russia. Do you see that ever will change back or has a chance to change back? I don't know. It's a very tough situation right now. I will tell you, I believe the International Space Station is an amazing capability for the world, and it's helping us really understand the value of human spaceflight and microgravity and the technologies and the capabilities that come from that. We talk about compounding of pharmaceuticals, immunizations, 3D printing of human tissue using your own adult stem cells. There's so advanced materials for, you know, the artificial retina for the human eyeball. And there's so much stuff that, that we are learning so much value to microgravity that we're right now learning on the international space station. 
It needs to be preserved. My view is we have to preserve the International Space Station. We also need to be thinking about what comes after the International Space Station, because as much as we love it, it can't last forever. Absolutely. So we need to be thinking about what comes next and how do we, and I'll tell you what, what comes next from the American perspective is going to be commercial space stations. And what we have to do is we have to figure out how do countries like the United States and Germany or any country, how do we partner and work together in an international way on commercial space stations? And maybe that's, you know, industry in, in our countries working together so that we can create international commercial space stations. I think it was a great achievement by the AX-1 mission that they conducted. And it's a pleasure talking also with guys in Israel, why they're doing it and to see it from a perspective of a nation that has capacity or capabilities in space, but as not an ISS partner and how difficult it is to be part of that. Yeah. That's interesting to see. And now with a commercial, it's just a matter of money at the end, uh, yeah. if, if you nail it down. But what they're conducting with that are this inspiration for another generation. And again, the values you mentioned before in medicine in, in all the other areas. Yeah. I think that's a good example and we hope to see more of that. But let's talk about your new engagement. How can that help? And I know it's a very trivial question, but how can your new engagement help to turn the world into a better place? Yeah. So I'm with a private equity firm and we invest in aerospace capabilities and defense capabilities. I, I, I really think that there are solutions for what's happening in space as it relates to space situational awareness, space traffic management, debris mitigation, debris remediation. How do we get the debris that's up there out? I think there are commercial opportunities in that space. And I think that if those commercial opportunities are properly capitalized, I think there's opportunity to generate revenue by doing good things, generate revenue by providing private companies situational awareness and traffic management in space. That's good for everybody. It reduces collision risk and it, it enables more capability in space. It's not just governments that are going to be doing this activity. It's going to be the private sector that does the activity as well. Thank you very much for your time. You bet. Great pleasure. Thank you. My honor. Thanks for listening to Space Cafe Radio on tour in Lausanne at the LEO Kinetic Space Safety Workshop at EPFL in cooperation with AXA XL, LEO Labs, ClearSpace, Secure World Foundation and the EPFL eSpace Center. If you want to stay on the pulse of space, visit our website, our mothership at spacewatch.global and subscribe to our newsletters. But of course, don't forget to become a Space Watcher. I'm Thorsten Screening. CEO and publisher of SpaceWatch.Global, your independent perspective of space.